الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله أولا وآخرا الحمد لله في الأولى وفي الآخرة الحمد لله الذي بنعمته تتم الصالحات وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله واحد أحد فرد صمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد وأشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا وحبيبنا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله وصفيه وخليله أرسل على فترة من الرسل وقلة من العلم وضلالة في الناس من يهده الله فهو المهتد ومن يضلل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له اللهم اجعلنا من الذين يستمعون القول فيتبعون أحسنه أما بعد Dear brothers and sisters committed Muslims We happen to be in a Jumu'ah that follows a day that is considered by many Christians to be the day in which Jesus Isa السلام, was born and then in the coming few days there's going to be the beginning of the new year according to the same people and according to the same calendar the Gregorian calendar On a day like this, a day of taqwa, taking into serious consideration Allah's power presence, Allah's power for justice, we are reminded of an ayah in the Qur'an in which Al-Haqq subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَتَجِدَنَّ أَشَدَّ النَّاسِ عَدَاوَةً لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا الْيَهُودَ وَالَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا وَلَتَجِدَنَّ أَقْرَبَهُمْ مَوَدَّةً لِلَّذِينَ قَالُوا إِنَّا نَصَارًا ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ مِنْهُمْ قِسِّيسِينَ وَرُهْبَانًا وَأَنَّهُمْ لَا يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ This ayah the information in this ayah tells us that the most severe in their hostility towards the committed Muslims are those who are Yahud and Alladina Ashraku. And you will find those who are nearest in their affection to the most to the committed Muslims are those who are Nasara, say that they are Nasara. 
And the ayah explains why in the case of a Nasara, why they are at a close proximity to committed Muslims. ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ مِنْهُمْ قِسِّيسِينَ وَرُهْبَانًا وَأَنَّهُمْ لَا يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ That's because among these Nasara, there are priests and there are monks and they show no arrogance, no haughtiness in their character and their interaction. This is an ayah. We're not speaking about some ijtihad of some alim or some conclusion of some faqih. We are speaking about an ayah that is clear. This is a frank and an ayah that needs no ta'wil. We don't need to squeeze our minds to extract its eventual meaning. It's not an ayah of the mutashabihat. There are some ayat in the Qur'an, there's leeway back and forth. But here, in this case, the ayah is crystal clear in its meaning. Now, if we understand this ayah correctly, and then we look at ourselves, the Muslims in this world, take a look at our own selves, and see how the majority of us treat those who say that they are Christians. In the first instance, we confuse the average Christian with the Christian politician or the politician who claims to be Christian. We bundle them up and we, if we look at our religious books, we express a type of derogatory or a condescending attitude or character towards them. This, truth be said, this has to do with the Salafi, Wahhabi, Saudi clout that has spread throughout the Muslim world in the past few decades because of the money and the finances that they have. Out of their books, and their books proliferated in Islamic schools, in madrasas, in Islamic centers, in masajid, in study groups, etc. So what do we have in these types of books that are contradictory with the ayah that was just quoted? وَلَتَجِدَنَّ أَقْرَبَهُمْ مَوَدَّةً لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا الَّذِينَ قَالُوا إِنَّا نَصَارًا ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ مِنْهُمْ قِسِّيسِينَ وَرُهْبَانًا وَأَنَّهُمْ لَا يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ Now, what do we find in our midst? This is a good time for us to re-evaluate the pollution, the mental pollution that we can find in some of these circulating books. Some of these books, and these are in the syllabus, the curriculum of many educational systems, especially in Arabic-speaking countries. And it goes beyond that, but I'm more concerned where it is concentrated. It will say to you that a a Christian woman, 
Now, how can you, we can reconcile, I'm going to tell you, but the question before I explain it, how can rec- we reconcile this with the ayah in the Qur'an? It says, a Christian woman in an Islamic society has to be differentiated. She has to stand out. She has to be identified by the way she dresses, meaning she cannot dress like a Muslim woman. Where did this come from? In one of these polluted statements, it says, in a Muslim society, a Christian woman has to wear a metal ring around her neck to distinguish her from a Muslim woman. And then, listen to this, it gets even worse. It says, if a Muslim is a little affluent, he has a little extra money, and he walks by a Christian who is in need, a poor Christian, he is not permitted to give that poor Christian of what he has, a dollar, ten dollars, more or less, He's not permitted. You ask them why? He says, because the Christian may say a prayer, a dua, or a supplication for the Muslim. You tell me, does this not contradict the meaning of the ayah in the Quran? And then when you follow this further, where did all of this come from? It came from the phony hadiths that we still have not sorted out in our books of hadith. Another strike against us is, it is said if Muslims, if a military force of Muslims goes into a land, let's say of Christians in this case, And they take over that land, it becomes the Muslims' responsibility, the the commander of the Muslims, to distribute that land among the Muslims. The conquered people's land has to be distributed among the Muslims. He can give whatever he wants to whomever he wants and dispossess the original population. This sounds to me like Zionism. In Islam, we find Zionist statements in Islamic religious books. You will find it. And what does the ayah in the Quran say in this context? When we Muslims, yeah, there's military affairs. We don't run away from the realities of life. It's part of our history. Some of our history is clean. Some of it is not. But what does the ayah say? وَإِذَا لَقِيتُمُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا فَضَرْبَ الرِّقَابِ فَإِذَا أَثْخَنْتُمُوهُمْ فَشُدُّوا الْوَثَاقِ فَإِمَّا مَنَّا بَعْدُ وَإِمَّا فِدَاءً This ayah is saying concerning Oh, I skipped a little part concerning prisoners of war. In these quote-unquote fiqhi books, 
that have been distributed all around the Muslim world and beyond the Muslim world. You'll find them in America, you'll find them in Europe, you'll find them everywhere else. What do they say? They say you can take a prisoner of war and enslave the prisoner of war. You can turn them into chattel and you can, in a sexual manner, take advantage of their women. And what is this ayah saying concerning prisoners of war? After Muslims take prisoners of war, it says you either فَإِمَّا مَنَّا بَعْدُ وَإِمَّا فِدَاءً You either do them a favor and say, you're free, you can go now. وَإِمَّا فِدَاءً Or you can ransom them. You can tell them, okay, we can have an exchange of prisoners here. We will let you go in exchange for a Muslim prisoner being released. Or a ransom in the form of his camp paying for his release. Where did this abuse come from? Muslims enslave others? It comes from these types of books and these types of opinions. And then we go on to... They bring us examples. They're not short on examples. They say, if a Muslim is in a position of serving a non-Muslim, let's say there's a Muslim waiter or waitress... Well, they don't don't have waitress in their world. A Muslim waiter, a Muslim servant, a Muslim maid, male, if he's serving a non-Muslim, let's say, a glass of tea. This is an actual example they give in their books. He's serving him a glass of tea, a cup of tea. He says he can't give that cup of tea from his hand to the hand of the non-Muslim. He has to place that cup of tea on a table or something like that. He has to place it and have the other person, the non-Muslim, take it from there. This is contradictory to the teachings and the information that comes to us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then it goes further. It says a Muslim cannot welcome a non-Muslim. What type of attitude is that? What type of psychology is that? You ask them, why? Why can't a Muslim show respect or welcome a non-Muslim? He says, huwa idhlalun lahu. Idhlalun lil-Muslim. This is a humiliation to the Muslim. Allah, subhanak. I mean, what, what have we become if we are studying and if we are teaching these types of... This, this is supposed to be morality. If we are teaching this to ourselves, what type of... Pe- and you wonder how we get these dawa'ish. You wonder how we get these takfiris. They come from these subject matters. This high authority in Saudi Arabia is like the Grand Mufti. They're called Ibn Uthaymeen. What does he say? 
He says, I'm going to quote here. إِذَا رَأَيْتُ النَّصْرَانِ أُغْمِضُ بِعَيْنِي كَرَاهَةَ أَنْ أَرَى عَدُوَ اللَّهِ If I, and this is taken from his book, مَجْمُوعَ الْفَتَاوَى رَسَائِلْ وَفَتَاوَى إِبْنْ عُثَيْمِينَ Now what did he say here? He says, if I see a Christian, now listen to what he says, and listen to what Allah جَلَّ شَأْنُهُ in his Everlasting Quran says the ayah that, that we quoted. Now, what does he say? He says, If I see a Christian, I close my eyes because I hate to see an enemy of Allah. Allah? See, this is what happens, brothers and sisters, when. There's this generalization and the inability to distinguish those who say that they are Christians but are war criminals and then the average Christian who knows only the goodness of his faith. Have you ever had contact with an Amish Christian Christian, or a Mennonite Christian or people of fervent Christian faith? Our problem is, uh, who pays attention to those? Oh, the, the Christians who are in uh, on horses, they ride horseback and they don't go in cars and these types of things. Ibn Taymiyyah, he says, you can kill a person if, he's, if he says out loud his intention for prayer. إِذَا جَهَرَ بِالنِّيَّةِ لِلصَّلَاةِ You can kill him. This is what we've, be- we've become. And in these types of books it says you can't build a church or a place of worship in Muslim lands. And we begin to think, Oh Allah, what has become of us? And if we can think further, this is what they don't want us to do in these types of controlled masajid. They don't want us to think and beyond that, they don't want us to rethink. That's prohibited. أَفَلَا يَتَدَبَّرُونَ الْقُرْآنِ وَلَوْ كَانَ مِنْ عِنْدِ غَيْرِ اللَّهِ لَوَجَدُوا فِيهِ اخْتِلَافًا كَثِيرًا آيًا سورة النساء And then it gets ridiculous in this area. It gets so ridiculous that I am hesitant to mention these types of things in a khutbah. That's how ridiculous it is. Such as the hadiths. There are hadiths that say that, you know, in, in breastfeeding, the fiqh, this, this, this doesn't belong to Quranic, uh, the detail doesn't belong to Quranic literature. It belongs to hadith literature. It says, if a baby is breastfed five complete times, then he or she is the sibling of the children of the mother who did the breastfeeding. So it's a, like a fiqhi rule. Okay, we're not going to take issue with that. We take issue with some of the hadith that say originally, originally, 
it was 10 breastfed, complete breastfed sessions. When, when the word complete is used here, it means that the baby is nourished in a breast fully nourished in a breastfeed you can't the baby can't just suck two or three sucks and that's considered breastfeeding has to be a full like say a full meal so five when that is done five times then that baby is considered the sibling of the mother's children the mother's the breastfeeding mother's children so where did this 10 in the hadith literature says 10 originally it was 10 but that was cancelled nusikhat that was overridden so uh, we're not going to go into any details here the, the the embarrassing part of all of this is they go to a hadith and they say, and this hadith has to do with Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha and Umm al-Mu'mineen Umm Salama. These are the Prophet's wives. And a person who is not their mahram, he's a non-mahram, who wants to speak to them. So the pro- this, it is said in this particular hadith that the Prophet said that the man should be breastfed by one of his wives astaghfirullah al-azim wa atubu ilayh how can something like this still exist and how can our respected ulama how can they live with something like this still existing in what is considered to be more or less mainstream hadiths all of this we mentioned only to say that we have to review the information we have in our books of hadiths. We've said this previously many times. We cannot overstate the urgency of this matter. وأستغفر الله لي ولكم ادعوه سبحانه وأنتم على يقين بالإجابة وتوبوا إلى الله إن الله تواب رحيم الحمد لله بجميع المحامد على جميع النعم وصلى الله وسلم على المبعوث خيرا ورحمة وهدى لكافة الأمم محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Dear committed Muslims أيها المؤمنون What we were trying to explain as a matter of taqwa on this day, in this previous, in this khutbah, the one before I just paused, basically was trying to deconstruct the vestiges and the leftovers of dynastic Islam. 
We had terrible things that developed in our political and military history among ourselves. And that had a leftover effect in our scholarly books that we still haven't tended to. Now to transition to the real world, what's happening in the real world, this is where all the khutbahs should be. The first and the second khutbah should concentrate on the life and death issues that we are living. And much, I think, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us all, myself included, I think the concentration has to be on those who have stolen Mecca and Al-Medina. Deactivated Mecca and Al-Medina. Traditionalized Mecca or culturalized Mecca and Al-Medina. Those who now have much influence in Islamic circles they don't belong in Islamic circles, but that's where they are. And they still have some weight, even with the crimes that have become very obvious in the past at least few years. The family of Saud finding common purpose with the tribe of Israel. Even after all of this has become quite clear to the average Muslim, we still have monkey business by these princelings. It was, there was a statement made by the President of the United States that Saudi Arabia should be paying for the reconstruction of Syria. If the rulers in Saudi Arabia were reporting to Allah Azza wa Jal, this statement would have no meaning. But they know that's their boss. The president in Washington, D.C. is their waliyu amrihim. He is their superior in command. So then they whisper, one of their diplomats made a statement on the whisper level saying, no, we are not responsible for financing the reconstruction of Syria. This king in the making, this young inexperienced person, just the day before yesterday, yesterday, arrests his cousin. Khalid ibn Talal. The brother of Al-Walid ibn Talal. The same person who was put in the Ritz-Carrollton with his brother and many others. Right now he throws him back into prison the day after the funeral of MBS's uncle, who is the father of this Khalid ibn Talal. You see the savagery, Allahumma ba'sahum baynahum shadida. 
you see the the type of relationship they have this is one family and look how they are treating each other because a part of that family happens to have Zionized itself we mentioned last week that the American Embassy and Consulate in Saudi Arabia they put out on their social media information encouraging people to protest well since that time they withdrew that from their site it no longer exists which goes to tell you the divisions that are in the American administration and the divisions that are in the Saudi administration and then yesterday there's been a change in the cabinet positions in that kingdom of in that family kingdom and that war criminal Adil al-Jubayr who used to be ambassador here in Washington DC was kicked out of the foreign ministry he was demoted and given a uh, a, a, a type of uh, position that is secondary and they put in his place another person who used to represent Saudi Arabia here in the International Monetary Fund if I have it correct not the World Bank the International Monetary Fund His name is Ibrahim al-Assaf he's become their new foreign minister all of these are crooks let us compare just for a moment let us compare the, the this faction the Zionized faction of the Saudi family with let's say King Faisal I'm not here to defend kings but we are here to to compare the behavior of this family this is still in the family in the 1973 war there was an oil boycott and it was done on the initiative of King Faisal he told the American administrators these 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 can't say a word to American administrators but he told them he said look it wasn't a long time ago that we were living out there in the tents and we had a simple meal some bread and some dairy products and if need be we will go back to that living style to liberate Palestine even de Gaulle contacted King Faisal and told him you know it's a it's a fact of life Israel is a fact of life why don't you just recognize Israel and get the whole matter over with? Unlike these cowards in that family, he said to him, Mr. De Gaulle, I want to remind you, when you were a general and the Germans came and occupied France, did you succumb? 
and say that's a fact of life, the German occupation of France is a fact of life, or you resisted until finally you got rid of the German occupation. And from there on, de Gaulle did not exchange answers with him. There's a difference. And we knew what happened to King Floyd, what happened to him. We are told he was shot to death. He was killed by one of his family members, some cousin or something like that, who studied here in the United States. Some people say he was brainwashed or they may have run some CIA type of uh, mind games on him. He went back there and he... He didn't need any clearance to go to his uncle or King Faisal or whatever he was, his uncle or something like that. He approached him, took out the gun and shot him to death. Why can't we speak about these issues and bring these issues to light? The Saudi budget, you said last khutbah, the last khutbah, that it's over a trill it's about a trillion riyals about three to four hundred billion dollars with a deficit of 35 billion dollars in the last if we add the last six years we will find that there's a deficit of around 313 billion dollars then we go to qatar qatar has appointed a rabbi to be its consultant in as far as the World Cup series that's coming up, which is going to take supposed to take place in Doha, Qatar, so they need now a rabbi who will administer the affairs of the Jewish athletes. Let's omit the word Jewish. The Zionist athletes who are going to participate in these worldwide competitions that are going to take place there and this rabbi mark schneier is from new york city and he is being received like a hero by the rulers in the gulf in the persian arabian gulf he's being received like a hero the only country we know of that he didn't go to is kuwait he may have gone there secretly, but anyway, his report, he's been to Bahrain. He's actually on good terms with the ruler of Bahrain. So good, so good are the terms between them that this rabbi is predicting in the coming month or two, Netanyahu's second visit to the Gulf is going after Oman because he was there recently. He's going to go to Bahrain. And then also Qatar brings in a, is contracting a, a, a Jewish chef to serve the Zionist athletes. And then the synagogues are going up in the Gulf area. This is at a time, this is at a time when the animosity in Arabia is increasing towards its neighbor, to the east and north, the Islamic Republic of Iran, and its friendship is increasing with the Zionist colonizers of Palestine. Can we not see this? 
Can Muslims not understand what is happening in the world? And then President Trump makes a snap surprise visit to Iraq. They say he's, the U.S. has spent $5 trillion on the war in Iraq and the president of the United States from which this money, some of this money came, some other parts of that amount came from the Arabian Peninsula. This president cannot make an average visit just like any other president in the world to a sovereign, supposed to be independent country. And the Muslims in their masajid, in their Jumu'ah prayers around the world are supposed to be ignorant about these down-to-earth real facts of life. Now, as we are speaking, there are demonstrations in eight Arab countries. Demonstrations. People are going out and expressing their opposition to the regimes that rule over them. Each country has its own particulars. But are we supposed to be absent-minded about all of this as if nothing is happening? The Prophet says, Innama Indeed, committed Muslims are brothers to each other. Do we feel a type of brother relationship with what is going on in these? A one news item says, a family in Jordan. Jordan is not... Yemen. Yemen, th- what is happening in Yemen is catastrophic. And the Muslims are burying their heads in the sand, making believe nothing is happening. How many of the khutbas in the Muslim world are focusing on the plight of children and women and innocent people who are in the millions going to die of starvation? A news item that has focused everyone uh, is and everyone's attention. One family in Jordan has been living without food for two days. And that's become a major news item. And we have probably 10 to 14 million Yemenis who are eating leaves, who are, whose bodies are emaciated. And it seems like it's normal stuff. Only thing we hear, like this past week, a news item, Italy decided it's going to reconsider selling weapons to the Saudi ruling family. That's it. That's it. No humanity left. Where? Where is the spirit of Christ, we ask in these Weapons manufacturing countries. The Pope in Rome says he hopes that the international effort will will culminate in a solution to the Syrian 
strife which will permit all of the refugees to return the Syrian refugees to return to their country and he also prays and he hopes for uh, this effort for a ceasefire in Yemen to succeed the Pope is thinking or speaking speaking about the tragedies in Muslim lands and we Muslims are supposed to be dumb deaf and blind to what is happening to our own selves and then we have some miscellaneous things that are happening such as the cousin of the king of Morocco officially he's a prince Mawlay that's his title he is presented in social media singing a song a very well known song by the Rolling Stones and then he asks his cousin the king of Morocco to take away from him his official title Mawlay and Denmark right now introduced a law if you're going to become a Danish citizen you have to shake hands as if you know the Muslims don't know who's the target of all of this you have to shake hands with an official to receive your citizenship as if to put Muslim men and women under pressure because of the norms among Muslim men and women and finally not a Muslim is saying this one of the US senators is saying let's not bury our hands in the sand Assad the president of Syria is triumphant meaning he won that gamble that seven eight year old gamble that they had inside Syria these are the issues that have to relate to the information that comes to us from Allah not rich people getting away with their obscenities and powerful people getting away with their deceits and military people getting away with their war crimes this has to come to an end when we gain a Quranic culture and a Quranic orientation Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna tiba'a wa arina al-batila batilan warzuqna ijtinaba wa la taj'alhu multabisan alayna واجعلنا للمتقين إماما اللهم إليك نشكو ضعف قوتنا وقلة حيلتنا وهوانا على الناس يا أرحم الراحمين أنت ربنا وأنت رب المستضعفين فإلى من تكلنا إلى غريب يتجهمنا 
أم إلى عدو ملكته أمرنا إن لم يكن بك علينا غضب فلا نبالي ولكن عافيتك هي أوسع لنا نعوذ بنور وجهك الذي أشرقت له الظلمات وصلح عليه أمر الدنيا والآخرة من أن تنزل بنا غضبك أو تحل علينا سخطك لك العتبى حتى ترضى ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بك اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على محمد وآل محمد وصل وسلم وبارك على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون يعلم خائنة الأعين وما تخفي الصدور وأقم الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا موقوتا الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله